African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is African Dialogue. If you're listening to us via shortwave, it's on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. On DSTV, you're joining us on Channel 902. Thank you for streaming us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're zooming into a big topic in South Africa. We're looking at uh, the governing party's uh, decision, which is the ANC, which is also known as the African National Congress, wanting the 
the South African government to withdraw from the International Criminal Court. We'll discuss this. But uh, before that, we've got Tabiso Leoko to give us our news. In the news headlines at the Sawa, Guinea's opposition calls for a rerun of the country's presidential election. Two Tunisian soldiers killed in clashes with militants and Dutch investigators to release a final report into Malaysia Airlines of Flight MH17. Good morning. Guinea's opposition has called for a rerun of the country's presidential election, rejecting Sunday's vote. Opposition leader Salo Dalain Diallo, speaking on behalf of the seven candidates challenging President Alpha Conde, say they cannot accept the ballot. The Union for the Democratic Forces of Guinea party alleges widespread fraud, including ballot boxes being stuffed and some 400 polling stations staying closed. Incumbent Alpha Conde is favoured to win a second term, although the results are expected to be close enough to require a second round. Rival factions in Libya have rejected a UN-brokered agreement on the formation of a national unity government. The Tripoli-based General National Congress is refusing to discuss the proposed government until its demands are met for amendments to the UN-proposed plan for Libya. The internationally recognized parliament also dismissed the plan. On Friday, UN Special Envoy Bernardino Leon proposed a unity government aimed at ending years of conflict in Libya, saying... It would be headed by Fayez El Siraj, a deputy in the Tripoli Parliament. Two Tunisian soldiers have been killed and three others wounded in clashes with extremists near the Algerian border. A group linked to Al-Qaeda's North Africa branch, the Agba Ibn Nafa Brigade, claimed responsibility for the killings, and this is according to Site Group, which monitors extremist activities. The soldiers were conducting a sweep off the mountain Samama, an area after the kidnapping of the shepherd. The authorities in the Philippines insist that a Malaysian Airlines jet that went missing last year had not crashed onto a remote Filipino island. The statement follows the man's claims that wreckage had been found there. The precise fate of flight MH370. Malaysian media reported at the weekend that a Filipino man told Malaysian police that his relatives had found wreckage of a plane which skeletons with skeletons inside in the jungles of the Philippines' remote Tawi-Tawi Island chain. The authorities say no plane wreckage had been found. The Boeing 777 mysteriously disappeared en route from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing in March last year. Africans are demanding and, in fact, deserve a better future, says UN Secretary-General Ban Ki-moon, who helped to kick off the organization's annual Africa Week. The week of events celebrates the continent's social, economic, political and environmental development. Speaking at the opening, Ban Ki-moon said successfully promoting a better agenda in Africa begins first and foremost with aspirations of the African people. They seek to build lives with quality education and health care, decent jobs, a clean environment and tolerant, inclusive and democratic societies. They demand and deserve a future where guns are silenced throughout the continent and poverty and hunger have no place. 
As soaring temperatures continue in South Africa, northern neighbor Zimbabwe is also facing a blistering heat. According to the country's Met Department, the temperatures in the Bight Bridge in the south and the Zambezi Valley in the north have reached over 40 degrees Celsius. However, October is often the hottest month in Zimbabwe, and the department says this doesn't even count as a heat wave. Jonathan Chifuna is a senior forecaster with Met Department. Now, temperatures being in the higher range over the past few days, going up to 41 degrees Celsius over the Limpopo Valley, also 40 degrees Celsius over the Zambezi Valley. But uh, at this time of the year, these uh, temperatures are quite normal. They are high temperatures, but uh, when they are, con- they are continuous life for some period of time, they tend to have a negative effect on, on people. Therefore, the temperatures are with us. This is normal for this time of October. No records have been broken as yet. A recap of the top story this hour. Guinea's opposition calls for rerun of the country's presidential election. Two Tunisian soldiers killed in clashes with militants and Dutch investigators to release a final report on Malaysia Airlines of Flight MH17. Channel African News. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And uh, today we're going to be looking at a, a big conversation that's taking place in South Africa. We're looking at the recent uh, gathering that took place this past weekend, uh, whereby the, Nas- the African National Congress wanting the South African government to withdraw uh, from the International Criminal Court. The ANC says that it wants South Africa to begin a process of withdrawing from the court because it believes the ICC has lost its direction. That's according to the party's International Relations Subcommittee Chairperson, Obert Babela. He made this announcement on Sunday during the last day of the three-day National General Council of the ANC. He has further said there was a handful of powerful countries which refused to be members of the International Court, yet they still had the power to refer matters to the court. Now, to help us unpack this particular development, we're joined on the line uh, by uh, various stakeholders. We've got uh, the ICC spokesperson, Fadi El Abdallah. Also, we have uh, uh, Netanet Belay, who is from Amnesty International. Uh, he is the Research and Advocacy Director for Africa. And as well, we've got uh, Dr. Martin Revai Rubia, who is a visiting researcher with the Institute of African Renaissance Studies at the University of South Africa. But before we continue with our discussion, let's listen to this report by our SABC News correspondent, Ndewa Mokobo, who says the Human Rights Watch in Southern Africa says South Africa's threat to pull out of the ICC will undo the country's good work as a promoter of human rights in the continent and the globe. The ANC disagrees with the double standard and selective actions of the International Criminal Court. In this regard, the NGC has recommended that government reviews South Africa's membership of the ICC. It's clear the ANC wants government to cut ties with the ICC. It believes the international court is not fair to African leaders and biased towards countries that did not even sign up to the Rome Statute that established it. Chairperson of the ANC Subcommittee on International Relations, Robert Papela, explains. The withdrawal will be on the basis that we will want the ICC to be reconstructed and restructured in such a way that it could be a global instrument that is fair for everybody. 
will also allow the processes in the ICC member states parties to also engage and discuss to reach a particular view being influenced by the reasons that we'll be presenting. And lastly, that the AU is also discussing and those discussions will also inform us in terms of us uh, still participating in the ICC. A fallout between South Africa and the ICC is the country's failure to arrest Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir while attending the AU summit in Johannesburg earlier this year. But senior researcher at the Human Rights Watch in Southern Africa, Dewa Mapinga, says the country's withdrawal from the ICC will negatively affect its standing and reputation as a promoter of human rights, insisting that the perception is created that Pretoria is siding with international fugitives. The chances of South Africa getting broad support and having a respected voice within the UN and calls for UN reform, that will also be undermined. What we have now is a perception that South Africa is siding with international criminals or people who are wanted for international crimes, giving refuge to such criminals, especially given the progress that South Africa itself has made in promoting human rights within the UN. This latest act would undo a lot of uh, that good work, so it needs to be viewed very carefully. Mabinga says instead of pulling out from the ICC, South Africa needs to push for an alternative and strong regional mechanisms that will ensure justice for African victims. What needs to be done, and this is what we ought to be campaigning around, is to have the SEDEC tribunal have its original mandate to receive complaints from individuals on human rights and justice issues. Restored first to have that regional court supported and strengthened and being fully functional. So the African court as well as the SEDEC tribunal, these bodies must be active and fully functional and supported by our regional leaders before there is talk of pulling out from the ICC. At present, existing two regional institutions are not empowered and equipped or mandated to receive uh, human rights and justice issues. So Africans will be shortchanged if there is this pullout without alternative and strong mechanism to ensure justice in Africa. But Pretoria's withdrawal from the ICC will not be a quick one. The matter is still to be discussed at the upcoming Assembly of State Parties meeting which would be attended by all ICC members next month. It would also be tabled at the January summit of the African Union in Ethiopia. I am Tebu Mokobos in Johannesburg. Yeah, you are listening to Channel Africa. That was uh, giving us that brief view about what is uh, going to be discussed today on our program in the next uh, few minutes or so. We've got experts really to help us on this particular view. Really looking at uh, the International Criminal Court and South Africa beginning a process of withdrawing from the International Criminal Court. From that report by Ndebo Mugobo, we heard uh, actually the uh, uh, president of the ANC and also president of South Africa, J. Uh, Jacob Zuma saying that uh, he actually is worried about the contradictions that are seen within uh, the ICC. And also, we've heard uh, commentary there that was made by uh, the uh, International Relations Subcommittee chairperson, Obed Babela, speaking about uh, actually it being coming uh, a conclusive uh, campaign really to withdraw from the ICC. But let's start this process with our guests. As I highlighted, we've got Fadi El Abdallah, who is the ICC spokesperson joining us from uh, The Hague. And also we've got Dr. Martin Rivaya Rubia, who is a visiting researcher with the Institute of African Renaissance Studies at the University of South Africa. We've got Natsanet Bile, who is Amnesty International's Research and Advocacy Director for Africa. Dr. Rubia, let's start the conversation. Thank you uh, for joining us on our program. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. 
Now, let's just start with you in I terms think the of point this. that we can make is sure. that uh, we need to the context in which the IC is being seen to be operating on the continent. Mm. The ICC in 2002, the history around which you know, we can go back to about 1872, the ICRC, the International Committee of the Red Cross, trying to suggest uh, uh, people that had committed war crimes in the Franco-Prussian War to be tried. They were further attempt in 1919 at the end of the First World War and also at the end of the Second World War. So the history around establishing ICC uh, uh, platforms, the current one, is a number of key countries that key members of the current uh, P5, the United Nations Security Council, are not you know, signatories, including the United States. And so it seems that the debate around ICC in South Africa is to be seen within the international context. And, of course, what is the ICC uh, designed to achieve? It is certainly designed to achieve response to war crimes uh, within a context Mm. where the local judiciary mechanisms are either unable or unwilling to respond. Mm. And, and, And hence, there is this balance that uh, what the ANC is saying, that there's dispro- you know, disproportionate uh, a number of uh, you know, Africans that are appearing uh, before the ICC, and of course the revolutions you know, by the African Union for non-cooperation sent around that. So the final word for me, you know, is a start. It's the ICC in its wider context, and how and why it has really been seen to be disproportionate since its establishment in 2002. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go to a quick break and then I'll actually put your uh, views to our other guests on the line. Today we're speaking about uh, the ANC pulling out or working on a process to withdraw from the International Criminal Court. What are your thoughts? Do you think this is a good move by uh, the ANC? Because South Africa is seen as a country that promotes human rights, that promotes the dignity of its people. What are your thoughts? Plus two seven seven nine six. Six nine five seven nine three zero SMS as your thoughts plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero or you can interact with us on our Twitter handle at African Dialogue that's at African Dialogue. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back. Would like to get to know you, our listener. So we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station. Is it via shortwave, internet or satellite? And what do you enjoy listening to? You can SMS us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine zero five, or email us. It's at info at channelafrica.org. You can also tell us via Facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical One, or write to us at the address PO Box nine one three one three Auckland Park, Johannesburg. 2006 Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Well, this past weekend, uh, the ANC, which is the African National Congress, which is uh, the ruling party in South Africa, held its uh, three-day National General Council. And really, during there, a lot of things came out. But one of the things that was a highlight was uh, the ANC announcing that it will begin a process of withdrawing from the International Criminal Court. Now it's become a debate within uh, South Africa and also the rest of the world. Joining us on our program today we've got Dr. Martin Rivai Rubia who is uh, from the Institute of African Renaissance Studies at the University of South Africa we also have Netanyahu Bilay who is Amnesty International's Research and Advocacy Director for Africa and also joining us from the ICC itself is the ICC spokesperson uh, Fadi El Abdallah and I'll come back to you Fadi I just want to hear what Netanyahu from Amnesty International thinks of this particular conversation that the ANC is starting to have on a public platform. Your thoughts, Netanet. Do you think this is actually a good move? Do you agree with Dr. Martin uh, Rubia who's saying, hey, the ICC has been uh, disproportionate in terms of how it actually has been dealing with its cases, especially dealing with it, the mandate that it has? Thank you very much. Is this a good move? Absolutely not. Um, I think the first question we need to ask ourselves is what's actually resolved at NGC over the weekend. Um, we've heard numerous statements from officials uh, around what the ANC has resolved moving forward. But if you look carefully, read at the final communication by ANC, it seems to be nothing more than reaffirming uh, previous statements made by ANC. Uh, which is essentially uh, reviewing uh, the relationship, uh, Africa's participation relationship with the ICC, suggesting that the government is moving ahead in in following through some of the proposals it's pushing through at the moment. So we really hope that ANC's decision is not towards uh, pulling South Africa from the Rome Statutes. That would undoubtedly be a huge blow Firstly and primarily to victims of heinous crimes and, and atrocities being committed across the world, from Palestine to Sudan, from from Darfur to uh, North Nigeria, and etc. Um, we should not lose sight of the fact that this is primarily about victims and 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 the responsibility of the world community, including South Africa, to ensure that justice prevails. That victims are afforded with enough avenues to seek justice around them. Mm. But what are your thoughts ab- around the fact that we've only seen African countries actually being put into this particular court? We seem to see this kind of uh, uh, Afrocentrism that's focused in this particular court. It seems very unfair to Africans themselves, and we've heard a lot of Africans speaking about this. Netanet, what are your thoughts around that? There's a lot of things that are happening in the world as well that need to be put into the, into the, into the International Criminal Court. You know, it is called the International Criminal Court after all. Absolutely. I mean, there is no denying that there are a number of areas which the International Criminal Court has, has, has failed to address and needs to improve. But this argument that the court is unfairly targeting Africans is absolutely baseless allegation. One has to carefully look into the current cases pending before the ICC. Most of the cases are referred to the court either by state parties themselves or by member states of the African Union itself. 
um, you know, in it's only in exceptional cases, such uh, particularly on the case of Libya and Kenya, where the ICC exercised its own mandate. In fact, even on Libya, this was a referral as well. So the, the, the you know the ongoing uh, narrative that the court is uh, you know attacking Africans and really attacking Africans is baseless and far from the truth. The, the, the truth itself speaks uh, therein. This doesn't mean that the ICC has failed. Uh, uh, to advance on investigations on a number of uh, situations which are currently pending. That needs to be balanced. And secondly, what's most disturbing for all of us is that the ICC seems to be unfairly targeted for failures of other global institutions that are inherently undemocratic, unbalanced, and etc., specifically the Security Council itself. Um, Civil society organizations, including Amnesty International and many others, have rallied behind African nations' call for a broader UN reform, including the UN Security Council, uh, that it needs to reflect the current geopolitical landscape, mm, mm. Um, and etc. And that mm. is essentially one, one area which South Africa may need to continue to push for mm. reforms in that area. But the inherent failure with the UN Security Council it's not about ICC. It's, it's, uh, it's, these are two different realities, which I think uh, uh, the, the, the discourse, unfortunately, is confusing. Well, well, we'll explore those particular themes. Let me move on to the ICC itself. Uh, Fadi El Abdallah joining us, uh, uh, the spokesperson of the ICC. I'm sure you were disappointed with this particular move. What is the response from the ICC looking at this latest conversation taking place, uh, Mr. Abdallah? First, there are conversations, so there has been no uh, move until this moment. Sure. And in any case, it's important to highlight that membership uh, of the Rome Statute is a voluntary and sovereign decision. It's the prerogative of all states. And according to uh, the Rome Statute itself, if a state decides to withdraw from the statute, this is possible, but this will only enter into force uh, one year after the state has deposited its withdrawal notification, and that will not impact any ongoing cases and proceedings or the obligations arising from the Rome Statute while the state was a party to the statute. So basically, that means that uh, um, there will be, the withdrawal will not affect uh, what is already an obligation. It will only affect uh, the future. It will only uh, mean that there will be less legal protection uh, for the populations and uh, less support uh, for the victims and for the principle of uh, not accepting any more impunity for uh, mass crimes. Mm. Well, um, what do you think brought this about? Because it seems to be a very loud voice coming now from the ANC. Some suggest it's the recent uh, uh, occasion that took place in terms of uh, uh, what happened during the uh, African Union gatherings in South Africa with uh, uh, Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir. Do you think that could have influenced this particular move from the ANC, Abdallah? Uh, well, it's, it's up to uh, the government to decide, and it's up for them to decide what are the reasons for uh, their moves, if there will be any. For uh, the ICC, it's important to highlight that uh, the visit of Mr. al-Bashir to Johannesburg uh, has uh, created two uh, legal and uh, judicial proceedings. One about the ICC, and we'll see what the ICC judges will decide, because they have requested the observations of South Africa on why 
the arrest warrants has not been implemented, and we'll see what will be the decision. But there was also a second judicial uh, mechanism that started, which was inside South Africa, and it was uh, South African courts that also uh, highlighted the importance of respecting the international obligations. Hmm. Well, um, staying with the issue of uh, the Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir, it seems that there have been reports that have been coming out that to claim that the ANC has given Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir the green light to return to South Africa to attend the forum on China-Africa operation in December. Coming back to you, Dr. Rubia, would this be a good move, a wise thing for the ANC to do after the chaos we saw at the African Union gathering earlier? I don't know. Is this a good thing for the ANC or maybe they should wait until all these processes unfold in terms if they do actually follow up with this uh, withdrawal from the ICC? Dr. Rabia? There are two points that that I'm attempting to put into the debate that we tend to miss. In the first, construction of the ICC itself. And it is not international. We are member states that are not, you know, party to the ICC statutes. And, of course, I think my colleague, uh, uh, you know, in the head, yes, is qualified to say it's voluntary. A state can then decide to withdraw. I think the gripe with the African Union and the performance of the ICC is not necessarily for us to dismiss the focus on mass, you know, human uh, uh, gross violence it is how that platform has been used or abused. And this is the map of the discussion. Mm. But that's where, for me, that we must focus. The point about uh, uh, the African Union holding a meeting in South Africa at which a member state like Albashi was then present, I think should be seen in the context in which South Africa is now a member of the African Union. In the meeting was really a platform where South Africa was really a host. But I am not defending, not for one moment, the transgressions that uh, you know Sudan has committed, or the leader Al Bashir, uh, uh, you know, or any other areas. Mm. It is to be critical of the construction and the purpose and objective. Why is it that we have other, you know, uh, uh, countries signing up to the ICC? And this is where the questions are being raised. And I gave a very short history of the attempt to create the ICC, which found difficulty from 1897 to 2002, when the United Nations General Assembly then, you know, carried a series of, uh, 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 you know, committee work and then preparations to then establish the ICC. And, and it is around that struggle that questions that now South Africa is raising. The performance of the ICC is supposed to be complementary to local judicial processes. And for us, I think we've seen in South Africa that South Africa, in fact, there's a contradiction. It is the most developed legal institutions and also the most within democratic principles. And so the contradiction will be this. If South Africa then moves away from the ICC, it will signal to other African states to perhaps follow, and this is the key. But I think we must not move away from how the ICC itself has been constructed, which is neither uh, uh, the point that, you know, either Amnesty International 
or the ITC itself uh, has been able to deal with. And that's the same thing when we look at the UN Security Council. Africa is now saying many of the issues that you actually debate in the UN Security Council are African issues. And if we are continue to be not represented, then the authority and integrity of that platform becomes less and less. And that is the point that we're making. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back because those are good points that you bring out, uh, Dr. Ruby. I'll pose them back to Fadi and Netanet. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this conversation that we're having today on African Dialogue, always zooming into one big subject matter on the continent? And we're back again on this discussion with the International Criminal Court, the ANC, the African National Congress, which is currently ruling South Africa as the governing party, is saying that, uh, hey, it's going to begin a process of withdrawing from the International Criminal Court. What are your thoughts? Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. That's our SMS number that you can uh, uh, contact us on. You can SMS us your views. Do you think it's a good idea for uh, the ANC to want South Africa to begin a process of withdrawing the International Criminal Court? And also, it seems like it's going to be uh, a campaign really to also uh, bring other African countries within one group to actually pull out because we've heard some uh, conversations or views that have been brought about by the uh, International Relations Subcommittee Chairperson Obed Babela saying, hey, there's actually a bigger group that wants to pull out. What are your thoughts? Is this a good move? Plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. We're going to continue this heated debate after this. Would you like to be featured on our website? Send us interesting pictures such as those of people, events, or anything you think is unique and interesting. Be part of our website and share those memorable moments with Channel Africa and the rest of the world. Don't miss this opportunity. Take a picture now. Pictures can be sent to info at channelafrica.org. That's info at channelafrica.org. You can view your pictures on www.channelafrica.co.za and also on our Facebook page. Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Uh, you're listening to us right here on the frequency 9625 kilohertz. That's our service into the continent on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Thank you f- for joining us as well on DSTV on Channel 902. And today we're having this deep, deep, deep conversation. It keeps coming back to uh, our program here, looking at the International Criminal Court and its mandate. And uh, today we actually coming back with this conversation because the African National Congress has decided to withdraw from the International Criminal Court. Now, I want to come back to you, Fadi, uh, before I move to Netanet from Amnesty International, but uh, uh, what are your thoughts around the issues that were highlighted by Dr. Uh, Rubia before that particular break? Because they are substantial and they do make a difference in terms of uh, the processes that are followed by the ICC. What are your thoughts to his views? Um. Well, I, I think that there are several uh, important points that are there, um, including the one of the points that have been mentioned is that uh, we need to look actually carefully to what the ICC has indeed achieved. And 
to uh, study one by one what are the arguments that are presented uh, by the people who would support a withdrawal from the ICC. You know? And then, indeed, if we look carefully at the, the uh, ICC, we would see that one of the first and most important principles is the principle of complementarity, which means that the ICC would not intervene if there are uh, genuine national prosecutions. This is an important safeguard, and this is also a very strong incitation to the states in order to strengthen their own national judicial capacities. So the IC does not intervene unless there is a need for that because there are no genuine prosecutions or there is no capacity to uh, handle the cases on a judicial level inside these countries. That's a very, very important element. The other thing that has also been uh, mentioned is that the investigations before the, the ICC in the uh, vast majority of the things, it was based on the request by African states themselves mm. or by the Security Council but where also the African states have also voted But, but in terms of, of the situation that took place in South Africa, as was highlighted by Dr. Uh, Rubio, was the ma- manner in which... Uh, uh, the, you know, there were demands that were made on the South African government when, uh, you know, there was uh, actually an African Union uh, gathering taking place. And, uh, you know, the South African government was left dwindling into terms of uh, are we going to deal with this as an African Union member or are we going to deal with this as an autonomous state? And uh, it was very difficult for the South African government to deal with that particular situation. And some people say that was still wrongfully dealt with by the International Criminal Court. Uh, what was the sentiment you know, or the, you know, the it, thinking behind it, it that process? Not. Sure. If you allow me, it, it is not the first time that South Africa hosts uh, such a high-level uh, meeting. Yes. There is always ways in order to ensure the respect of the different uh, obligations that are accepted by, uh, by the state. Mm. Uh, but in any case, this is an argument that might become, uh, might be presented before the IC judges. So I cannot speculate on yeah. whether they should have done that or not. Mm. It would be for the IC judges to decide whether there was an, indeed a violation of their obligations or not. What we are discussing here is mm. a bit uh, of a different matter, uh, which is a more general thing. It's not only the one incident. We are discussing about the importance of supporting uh, the international justice. Uh, a support is necessary in Africa and beyond for the ICC and for any judicial mechanism uh, to fulfill its independent and impartial uh, mandate. This is um, important to fight impunity for the atrocity crimes, and there is plenty that are being committed and we need even more support. And we know that South Africa is an important state party. Mm. And that's why we look forward to it continuing to be party to the ICC future and to the evolution of international criminal law through the ICC and through within uh, the mechanisms that the ICC Rome Statute allows for. Mm. Well, let me move on and see if we have another guest on the line. Let's see if we've got Courtney Griffiths as well, who's uh, very big in talking about the International Criminal Court. You always hear his views in this particular view, especially because he was Charles Taylor's law, lawyer at the ICC. Uh, Mr. Griffiths, are you there with us? Well, I don't think we have him yet. But Netanet Blay, where do you stand in this particular conversation? Because, hey, there's no doubt that uh, this is a concern for many African countries in terms of this one-dimensional uh, 
look at this particular court? How do we diversify this particular court to deal with international rules and not to have this um, image tainting it, especially from um, an African perspective? Thank you. Um, well, one thing which we need to understand is that the, the, the ICC um, can only be effective um, to the extent that its member states are willing to cooperate and make it uh, as effective as it should be. It doesn't have its own independent enforcement mechanism. It relies on states for the orders of the court to be implemented and effected. And so in broad response to your question, uh, the most respectful and appropriate avenue to strengthen the ICC to address atrocities broadly, globally, um, including atrocities being committed outside of Africa, is for the member states of the Rome Statute to actually make all efforts to strengthen uh, the court to ensure that there is sufficient diplomatic pressure on countries who are not members of the Rome Statute to join and, and even to ensure that they cooperate with the court itself. That is expected from member states, particularly from countries like South Africa, with such a great history um, and reputation in standing for respect of human rights and etc. Mm-hmm. Well, um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one underlying mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. The solution is not about undermining the, the, one of the existing avenues for justice, which mm-hmm. is the ICC, particularly in a context where in some countries there is no other resource to justice other than the ICC itself. So you're not solving the problem by destroying an existing mechanism. You, you can solve the problem by addressing head-on mm. uh, what are the structural, geopolitical, um, and other issues that undermine the court's effectiveness. Mm. L- l- let me move that to Dr. Rubia, if he's still there with us. Dr. Rubia, are you still there? Yes, I am. Thank you. Well, Dr. Rubia, that, there seems to be um, a standpoint that Fadi and Netsanets are making in terms of sticking to why the ICC was formed and formulated. And it seems like, you know, moving yourself from uh, a process of the ICC could be saying, as they argue, is undermining its processes. But the argument is as well, the fact that uh, these countries, South, such as South Africa, uh, went into the ICC was because of its objectives. And these objectives haven't changed even today. Uh, so how do we actually justify this particular process that the ANC wants to undertake? Because on a uh, bottom level, the, the objectives of the ICC haven't been changed. I think we need to remind ourselves that the operational principle of the ICC is complementarity. Okay where the local structures are either unable or unable to operate. And as I said, in the case study that we saw on Al-Bashir Kabir, South African judiciary reacted and was operational. So I think for Africa announcing that it wants now to withdraw, it's really the message to other African countries that is weak structures that would then take advantage of that and then enforce the attempts previously by the African Union for mass withdrawal from the ICC. So I think we need to remind ourselves, and let me reiterate, the ICC operates on the principle of complementarity. In so far as it relates to South Africa, that principle, I think, still functions. What is at issue is the political context in 
in which the ITC is operating at the international level. And this is the NARA. That is where the uh, charges, proven or not, that the ITC is being used as an imperialist tool or perhaps used or abused by other countries that are in fact not members. The colleague in The Hague will remember that in July 2002, when the ICC, uh, the uh, protocols were being established, the United States and several other countries pressured the, what was called then the Rome Conference for immunity for that country, you know, to also be uh, included. And this was also included. Mm. So, so the argument detractors on the one side and supporters on the other, I think, carry weight. And for me, the key point, I think, is the context in which the ICC is operating at the international level. Well, what's the way forward then, uh, Dr. Uh, Rubia? How do we move forward beyond this particular point? Is it just pulling out? Is that going to be an answer? Or should we actually find ourselves where Africa is having a consultative process with the ICC rather and trying to deal with these matters that concern them? I think you bring up a very good point. And in fact, I actually agree on how we can try and find ways and means to strengthen the ICC as presently constructed. Because others have argued that South Africa can withdraw from the ICC and then perhaps wake the African Human uh, you know, uh, Commission uh, uh, you know, court. Mm. But I see this further weakness mm. in that suggestion. So my suggestion would be we raise key points that must be addressed quite directly so that we strengthen the ICC in areas that we have misgivings, but not necessarily mm. to throw away the baby with the bathwater. Mm. Well, let me move that to you, Fadi, as we're about to wrap it up. Clearly, this calls for the ICC to look within itself and actually introspect in a way, in the way that Africa sees itself. Do we think that the ICC should look back and reflect on its mandate and actually try to maybe reach out to the African community and have a conversation with them? Uh, well, Two things are important to highlight here is that the ICC is a court, and a court applies the law. But the law here is the Rome Statute, which is adopted by the states. So the states can actually change it if there is a need for that. Uh, The ICC itself has no authority to change the Rome Statute. But the Assembly of States Parties, where the African states are uh, very well represented, has the authority to change it, and it will be up for them to discuss whether there will be a need for that or not. What's important is that even if there will be uh, amendments, it should always preserve the independence of the judicial uh, uh, institution and the judicial uh, processes. We cannot accept naturally that a court Mm. be subject to any kind of political considerations. And the Rome Statute has been designed to put a lot of stress on uh, specifically uh, this element. So Mm. if there will be a need for amendments, the uh, right uh, place and the right forum for that is, of course, the assembly of uh, state parties. As for the discussion, there is a continuous discussion between the ICC and African states and the African Union uh, uh, responsibles and officials. There is uh, mutual visits and discussions and uh, uh, conferences, and this is something that we um, 
are uh, all the time endeavoring to do to the maximum uh, of our capacities within um, the uh, within our mandate, of course, which is primarily a judicial mandate. Mm. Well, very interesting points that were brought to you, Fadi. I wish I could take it further because you seeing it from the judicial perspective. May, may I but just make one point. Yeah, very, very briefly. In thirty seconds, I have to wrap it up. Is that is this net and, 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 and that is um, to suggest that up. we, yes, that is to suggest that we go back to what is the Rome Conference of nineteen ninety eight, mm. where one hundred and twenty nations put together the framework of the statute that is now guiding the ICC. So there is the room, there is the experience, there is history for us to go back and, 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 and reformulate. All right, all right. That's how I have to wrap it up, Netanet. I'm sorry I couldn't give you a last say, but thank you for your contributions as well. Thank you to Netanet Belay, who's the Amnesty International Research and Advocacy Director for Africa. Thank you as well to Fadi Al Abdallah, uh, who is the ICC spokesperson, always available to the media. We really appreciate you making time for us. Uh, thank you to Dr. Martin Rivai Rubia, a visiting researcher with the Institute of African Renaissance Studies at the University of South Africa. Thank you all for this discussion. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come to Wisani Matebula with our economics update. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's only official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thanks, Benjamin, and good morning. An agreement has been reached in principle for the world's largest brewer, Anhauser Bush InBev, to buy South African company SAB Miller. The deal is subject to international regulator scrutiny. In a media briefing last week, AB InBev's chief executive officer, Carlos Bristo, has assured South Africans not to expect major changes following the possible takeover. SAB has been there. Uh, and its presence dates back from the 19th century. So we intend to continue to be a very strong presence there. We intend even to establish a secondary list in, on the Joburg Stock Exchange, as well as have a local board that would be critical for the future success of the combined company. Uh, we also intend Johannesburg to continue to be the regional headquarters for the combined group on the African continent. And in addition, we admire the broad-based black economic empowerment that SAB Miller has put in place and we intend to continue this initiative. South African President Jacob Zuma says South Africa needs more black industrialists to boost the country's economy. He was speaking on the 20th anniversary of the Community Investment Venture Holdings in Senton, north of Johannesburg. Last night, President Zuma has urged business people to begin to include poor South Africans in their quest to make profit. This country will never prosper if the majority of the people are not part of the mainstream of the economy. Perhaps only South Africa that we have such a situation where the majority are poor and are not part of the economy. We have opened up a sector that has never been used seriously, the ocean economy. The opportunities 
are beyond any imagination. South Africa's National Union of Mine Workers has described the coal producer's latest offer as a huge one. It says a number of its branches are currently meeting to discuss whether to accept or reject the revised offer. NUM's Highfield Deputy Chairperson Nelson Ratsitsi. There is a revised offer. Yes, there is a, a number of issues the employers have reviewed their previous uh, offers. So that's why I'm saying I won't be able to divulge yesterday's movement because if I can do that, uh, really I'll be operating outside the organizational principles. But with no doubt, I can rest assure you that there is a huge movement. Ratings agency feature expects a Zambia budget deficit to remain elevated due to a rapidly falling currencies. Fitch says the ambitious fiscal co- consolidation plan in Zambia's 26 budget will prove challenging due to its reliance on raising revenue rather than cutting expenditure. Zambia's finance ministry says it has been the fiscal deficit to narrowing 3.8% of the gross domestic product for the year 2016. And Botswana President Ian Khama will use some of its uh, 8.6. Botswana will use some of its 8.5 billion dollars in foreign exchange reserves to stimulate the economy. The Southern African nation in September slashed its 2015 growth forecast from 4.19% to 2.6% and said uh, that it would post a budget deficit this year and next year. And that's your economics news. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. For Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. For Channel Africa, I'm Lillian Strobach, reporting from the ICC in The Hague. Reporting for Channel Africa, I'm Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. This is Lansana Fofana, reporting for Channel Africa from Freetown. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe, this is Simon Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Reporting for Channel Africa, Mwaigi Konyo in Nairobi. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, it's time for us to move on. Let's get our sports from Musibudi Makura. Thank you, Benjamin. Good day, sports fans. Bafana Bafana had the majority of selected players for their chance squad at their disposal on the first day of training on Monday. The squad attended their first training session at Marks Park on Monday afternoon and will face Mamelodi Sundowns in a practice match on Tuesday afternoon. South Africa play Angola in the first leg of the first round, fourth edition of Chan 2016 Rwanda, the Saturday at the Rand Stadium in Johannesburg. Standing cap um, coach Tabo Sinong is being assisted by four 
former Bafana Bafana winger Helmut Mkelele, while head coach Efram Sheikh Mashaba is in the Central America preparing the other group of players for their international friendly match against Honduras set for Wednesday morning. The return leg against Angola is scheduled to be played on the 24th of October and will be played at the 11th October Stadium in Luanda, Angola. And so on football news, Aston captain Aaron Gunnarsson has insisted that his side will be playing for themselves when they face Turkey in their final Euro 2016 qualifier on Tuesday. Aston lead the group by one point from the Czech Republic and with both countries already certain of a place in next year's finals, the real drama is the battle for third place and a berth in the playoffs between Turkey who are on 15 points as well as the Netherlands who are on 13 points. The Dutch, who have not missed a Euro final since 1984, will be hoping that they beat the Czech Republic in their match in Amsterdam and hope Turkey does not beat Iceland if they are, ha- if they are to have a chance of making, the finals, uh, making it through the finals of the playoffs. Speaking at a press conference in Istanbul on Monday, Gunnar Saran has, says rather the team is focused on their own performance. Uh, we want to finish on top of this group. It's not about helping anyone, it's about us. It's all about us and, and we're fully committed. We are concentrated on our game and uh, as long as we're progressing as a team, everyone will be happy and, and we're in this to, to get three points, simple as. We, uh, we, were, we were not happy with the, the second half against Latvia, but we're not playing for Holland, we're playing for Iceland. Six-time Olympic champion Usain Bolt has already started his preparation for next year's Rio Olympic Games and has as, as has and, and has sent a strong message to his competitors. He thinks he's capable of breaking the 19 seconds in the 200 meters. Bolt's record of 19.19 seconds for the 200 meters has stood since the 20th of August 2009, four days after he set the 100 meter record of 9.58 seconds, both at the World Athletics Championships in Berlin. Bolt is seeking to become the first man to win three consecutive Olympic titles in the sprint events and in the 4 by 100 meter relay in Rio. The lanky Jamaican shrugged off a nagging pelvic injury this year to win three golds at the Beijing World Championships in August, which included ending American Justin, Justin Gatlin's almost two-year unbeaten run over both the 100 metres as well as the 200 metres. And finally, in wheelchair tennis, New South Africa's number one and world number eight wheelchair tennis ace, Hotato Monjane, for the second time was named Sports Woman of the Year with a Disability Award at the Gauteng Sports Awards this past Sunday at the Silver Casino in Mukhale City. Monjane was first bestowed the honour back in 2013 for the same category following her first Swiss title. She says the award is a reminder of her hard work. Looking at the half year, you know, Dropping out of the top eight and trying to come back, you know, and maintain that ranking. It wasn't an easy journey. So for me, so what is just as a reminder of, you know, what I can still do. Now I'm excited about it. The Zaya Sports News at the South. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Hey, that's how we wrap up the program today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hey, do you think that it's a good move for South Africa to pull out of uh, the International Criminal Court or any other African countries, that is? Let us know your thoughts. You can SMS us. Also interact with us on uh, Twitter at uh, African Dialogue. That's our Twitter handle for the program. That's at African Dialogue. Or you can tweet us at Channel Africa 1. That's the number one at the end, at African, at Channel Africa, rather, 1 at the end there. But uh, hey, we also want you to interact with us on our website. Go to www.channelafrica.co.za. You'll find us there. We have a song, and uh, we're going to wrap up with this one. And I'll be back with you. I'll be presenting uh, Africa Midday. We'll give you the latest news on what's happening here on the continent. That's coming up here on Channel Africa. Say 